Turn your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2. I'm going to read the first 11 verses. Bobby, it's good to see you. I know you've been doing well. I want you to know that we've been missing you, and I want to thank you for being here today. Ecclesiastes, chapter 2. We're going to read the first 11 verses. And this is what it says. I'll be reading from the, the ESV, the English Standard Version. I said in my heart, come now, and I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself, but... Behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks. More than any who had been before me in Jerusalem, I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not keep I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my soul. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. As a title, I have given this message, looking for meaning in life without God. Looking for meaning in life without God. Man has shown repeatedly that when he gets what he wants, that includes men and women, it rarely satisfies. Unlike what Solomon sought to do by testing And keeping his wisdom by all his testing, most people do things to forget. Solomon didn't do things to forget. He wanted to find answers. But when it comes to people, oftentimes, they will plunge into dissipation in order to drown out their sorrows. People drink to forget the past. People indulge in many things to try to satisfy a deep pain oftentimes. People are often swept away by the very thing that they began to do because they overindulge themselves. We see Solomon's methodically searching for answers to life, and he himself sets out on a mission, and the Bible says there's a big word, to test Everything possible under the sun to see if it produced satisfaction and the answer to the meaning of life. Do you not know there are a lot of people today looking for meaning in life? They go to the ends of the earth 
and searching, they will go various places looking for wisdom only to find out that the quest often comes up empty. There was once when I was looking for a car, a wife's little orange car, spent more time in the shop than it did on the road. That little Honda stayed in the shop. And it came to the time and the point to where it says, we've got to get another car, but we ain't got no money. But we had to get a vehicle. And so I thought, well, the best thing to do, let's go, let me go search in Vacaville and lay on look. And so I drove on a Saturday all out and round about looking for a vehicle within a certain price range back in a long time ago and can give you the year tell you my age. I'm telling you, I'm 29 and holding. <laughs> but I went out and I looked and and on this particular weekday, but, but it was a weekend initially, I must have gone again because it was a Wednesday when I was on my way back because I had to get back because it was Bible study that night. And Dad was teaching, so I'm Coming back home, and I'm driving down Petaluma Boulevard, about to make a left turn on B Street. And right before they had changed downtown, there was a car dealership right there on the right. And as I'm driving by a little um, station wagon, two-tone, light brown and a darker brown, two-tone panel station wagon, caught my eye. I went around the corner, went back, and I looked and said, ooh. Price is right. Went inside, spoke to the person, did the paperwork, and told my wife, hey, we got a car. I'm coming, going to be bringing it home. We drove it to Bible study that night. One thing I didn't like about that car, it had no get up and go. Make sure when you got on the freeway, you left yourself a long space. No cars around because that little car did not get up at all. Hit on it. Oh, Lord, here come a truck. Didn't have to get up and go, but it lasted a long time. We needed that car. It satisfied the need for a while, but eventually that car went kaput. And we had to get another one. You see, oftentimes in life, we've got to replace things, and there are times things that we need, but there are a lot of people at times, they're searching for things. Not always because they need it, because they, 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 they want it, and then they think somehow that they're going to find satisfaction in the things that they go after. But I'm here to tell you that if you're looking for meaning in life, you're not going to find it without Jesus. Uh, point number one, seeking answers through pleasure. That would be Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 3. Solomon's quest starts by saying that he was going to test. I, I want you to note that because that is a very important word. Solomon was not just going out to do things just to do it, but he was plagued by Life and the meaning of life. The wisest man that ever lived, and yet there were questions that he had. And so the Bible says, right in the very first verse, it lays out 
I said in my heart. Now, we had said last time that in the previous verses, there was the planning stages that he went through. He went through in his mind what he was planning. And now we have in chapter 2 where he puts his, his mind or the things that he had planned, he puts it into practice. He actually now carries them out. And so he says, come down to himself. I'm going to test you. First of all, with pleasure. One of the first things that you noted that Solomon was not doing things, as I said, just for the sake of doing it. But he kept the purpose on answering the question about what does man gain for all that he does while living? Life is plagued with questions. Uh, and, and oftentimes when we have questions in life, the same questions generally tend to pop up with each generation. Many generations ask the same question, and oftentimes they receive the same answer or not the same answer. So Solomon begins with pleasure, but even before he goes further, he gives the conclusion of his results at the very beginning. He doesn't wait till the end. He says his search for answers produced that which was disappointing. He was disappointed in what he found. And right in chapter verse 2, he says, all is vanity. The first thing that you note that he started with, he said, I'm going to test myself with wine. Now Solomon wasn't first drinking to get drunk. He wanted to determine, will this fermented drink give me the answers or will it satisfy the questions I have about life? Solomon makes clear that he was still being guided by his wisdom. People drink, look out, they, 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 they do some very strange things. Make sure you don't have no secrets with them because it is coming out. Make sure you, you listen because oftentimes they're going to tell you about themselves too. So he drinks in order to find the answers. Will this produce the answers that I'm looking for? You ask some people, why do you drink? They say, I drink to forget my past. Or I drink to get out of this misery. You see, some people are drinking in order to forget, but that wasn't the case with Solomon. There are some people who drink to the point of blacking out. And then they have the nerve to, be, to say that, man, I drink so much, I, I blacked out as if it's something positive. Woo! When, when I would used to hear about parties back in the day, party used to be that you go to a party and then you had the music. Back in the day, they had the records. And they put them records on and you start dancing to the music. Today, when they talk about parties, you go stand around and drink till you're drunk. There's a difference today between parties when I used to go and parties today with kids. I don't understand that. What kind of fun is that? Going to hold on to the the commode, because you didn't drink too much. Solomon also tests, he says, that which was folly or the foolish things. Now, you need to understand, when he talks about that his wisdom was still with him, in other words, in, in the, the times of Solomon, there were certain principles that would guide the wise. They would follow certain principles. So he's not talking about wisdom just to be talking about wisdom, but he followed the principles of wisdom. That's what he said is still guiding me, the principles of wisdom. 
When some people go out and do things, you say, why in the world did you do that? And they say, I don't know what possessed me to do that. I don't know what got into me. That was a very foolish thing I did. And then they go and do the same thing again. And then you say, why don't you stop? Well, I can stop if I want to. I can stop. Nobody can. I can stop whenever I want. Why don't you? Because I don't want to stop. That's a that's a cop out. So there are people who think that they're in control, but they're really not in control. There are various things that we do, and then we try to put an excuse behind why we do it. I was never a drinker. My dad used to drink. He was a, well, drunk. He used to drink. He used to drink. He used to drink. Thank God he got saved. But, but there is a past that everybody has. And thank God that he can, he, he can cover the past. That's why I think it's so important that when people come to church or people come to the Lord, that we don't try to make them clean all up before they get inside. Love people. Help people. What you doing that for? They are a sinner. That's what sinners do. They're not saved yet. There used to be a time, as I told you before, that when people would drive by the church, that they would turn down the music and they would, they would do certain things out of reverence. The reverence today, often for young people, it's gone. Today you got people that are scared to, run, to walk by a group of young people because you don't know what to expect. They used to respect the elders. What's happened because there's a culture that's being raised without God and therefore there is no meaning in their life. You ask them, what do you want to do? I don't know what I want to do. I just want to make money. Why don't you do it Make get a job? I don't want to get a job. That's just baby change. Well, you, what kind of skills? You got? I ain't got no skills. You ain't got no skills? No, I ain't got no skills. You don't have any skills? Like I said, yeah, I ain't got no skills. What happens? We have a culture today that does, that does not know God. And they think they know, but they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. There are some people who never learn from doing foolish and evil things. They promise change only to disappoint themselves because you can't change on your own. Why? Because your nature is one of sin. Solomon says, I tested that which was pleasure. Then I looked at that which was folly. Everything that I'm trying to find answers to all of it is vanity. Hmm. What use is it? Search for with my heart. In the Bible, the word heart oftentimes is a reference for the mind. Now, I've told you this before, before I move on, is that your mind you will take with you in eternity. As my dad would say, your mind is not your biological brain. Your brain functions. It forms synapses. It forms, you know, the dendrites and the synapses. It forms when you're young and you make certain connections. That's why it's important that you learn certain things growing up because, because those connections will help guide you later on. It's the building blocks that helps you. And so what you think kids are not paying attention to, they're watching. They're paying attention. 
They say, where did he get that from? From you. They are watching. Just watch them play house, and you'll find yourself somewhere in there. <laughs> Solomon, when he was a king, was very, very great. And even though he asked for wisdom, you've got to recognize and think about this. He might have even, he was even more plagued because he was so wise that things actually impacted him quite possibly much more because of his deep thinking. Because keep in mind that Solomon, in his quest for knowledge, initially asked for knowledge because he said that I am a babe among a people that I don't really know how to govern. And so, Lord, I need to know what to do, how to govern people. And so the Lord, out of being pleased with what he asked for, gave him great wisdom. And then blessed him with those things that he didn't even ask for. Point number two, moving on. Seeking answers through projects, prestige, and wealth. You ask many people what makes a person great, and they will begin to name off what they have or their achievements. What makes a person great? They'll tell you, I got this, I got that, I got this, and I'm going to get this later. That doesn't make a person great, but that's what they list. Solomon went on a scientific venture. His, his purpose was to test these things and, and to sample everything. And because of who he was and all of his greatness, he did not spare the cost on anything. It took Solomon, what, I believe 13 years to build his own palace. Man, can you imagine? And then he didn't basically spare any expense when it came to putting it together, gold and silver. And in fact, they said that some things he wouldn't even consider silver, even though it was just like so so much there, it wasn't as great. I mean, silver was very valuable, but he used gold for a lot of his stuff. He built anything and everything that one could imagine, gardens, and even the garden that you see that describes and the parks that he made. The idea here is believe that he made a garden based on his recollection or belief of what the Garden of Eden may have been like. And as you see the water, he, he had cisterns and places where he would store water in order to water these orchards and these various things. Put all types of fruit trees there. Will this produce the answers that I'm looking for? He bought male and female slaves, which shows that he was in the aristocracy. Now, for the Hebrew, if you were a slave, and this is incredible, the Lord said that if a person was an Israelite, that at the, at the end of seven years, they could be set free. So they would work six years. But in the seventh year, they could be set free. So it is quite possible, don't know, that for those that were raised in his house, if they were Hebrew, they might have been set free. Because with the Hebrews, the fact of the matter is that because they belonged to God, it was always for them to keep in mind that they belonged to God and they were to be treated with respect. But that was part of the culture. Turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter 4. Chapter 4, verses 20 through 23, I'm going to read. And I'm going to be bringing this to a conclusion soon for today. 1 Kings chapter 
4, verses 20 through 23. And this is what it says. 1 Kings chapter 4, beginning verse 20. This talks about the wealth of Solomon. Judah and Israel were as many as the sand of the sea. They ate and drank and were happy. Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute, these kings, these other places, tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. Solomon's provisions for one day was 30 cores of fine flour, 60 cores of meal, 10 fat oxen, and 20 pasture-fed cattle, a hundred sheep, besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and fattened fowl. Every day. Every day. His wealth was so vast that people marveled at Solomon's wealth. And yet Solomon said, all is vanity. Today, a lot of people are trying to get rich, not realizing that wealth still does not satisfy the soul. It's wonderful to be wealthy if you have Christ in your life. But to be wealthy without Christ, for some, it causes them to lose their mind and do things that they shouldn't do. Solomon had more domesticated animals than anyone else. And he had his own personal singers for entertainment. Y'all come and sing to me. Had female and male singers for entertainment. Want to hear something? Go call his singers. There was nothing. Can you imagine you could have anything you want? Everything. Nothing he kept from himself. He went on these great building projects. Still, it did not satisfy. Bible says there was nothing that Solomon didn't keep from himself. Now, when we think about wealth, we oftentimes think that I like to have it, and those who have it shouldn't have it. That's how it oftentimes is portrayed, if you realize, right? We say, I like to have it, but those who have it, they shouldn't have it, or they should share it with me. <laughs> uh how many people really go to the Lord when they're in need? And I will say this. Contentment is what your goal should be. What God gives you. I, I will say this before point three in closing. Paul says he had learned to be content in every situation. Whether well fed or hungry. Whether living in pl- having plenty or living in want. I have learned the secret of being content in every and any situation. And that's a man that can be content because oftentimes Paul had nothing, but he had Christ. And he knew that Christ could supply all of his needs. The final point, point three, the evaluation. Solomon evaluated everything he did. You ask some people, why are you doing it? I don't know. Solomon could tell you, I'm doing this. Why? Because he was basing his search on Ecclesiastes 
chapter 1, verse 3. If you look at Ecclesiastes 1, 3, it will give you what he was going out to do. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? That's what he's searching for. And all of this through here is going to answer that question. Verses 9 through 11 of chapter 2 is a summary of what's come before in verses 1 through 8. He sums up, evaluated what he does. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. Talked about having concubines. Even that, he said, was vanity. 700 wives. 300 concubines. 700 wives. 300 concubines. Solomon, you got a problem, brother. (laughs) You got a problem. I tell you, that's why he went on the building campaign in his old age. (laughs) The finality is that there was nothing to be gained under the sun. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for my toil. Then he says, then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. What are you searching for? Does your quest include God or does it exclude God? And how do you know? How do you know if your quest is including or excluding God? There are some people today who say, I I know I'm in the will of the Lord because I asked him and prayed. They didn't tell you that that's the very thing they've been wanting to do all along. And they got God, they think, to go along with their plans. Sometimes we put our plans out there and say, come on, God, sanction what I'm doing. (laughs) And then you come back and say, the Lord has said yes. Be careful. So again, my question to you is, what are you searching for? Does your quest include God or exclude him? And how do you know? Stand with me, please. God has given this world to us to enjoy, but never without him. Any search, any enjoyment one is seeking without God will eventually end in futility. The wisest man can really help us at this time to understand keeping things in perspective. Enjoy life, but do it with moderation. That's what Solomon was saying. Everything I did, the pleasure, all of it, he said, I did it yet. It was in moderation as I tested It wasn't to the extreme in the sense of I'm doing it just because I can, but it was a test. Even those who might drink, moderation. Have a glass of wine with their dinner, moderation. But when it comes to the salvation of one's soul, 
There are some absolutes. There's no moderation with Christ. A little bit of Christ, a little bit of Buddha, a little bit of Harry Christian. No, 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 no. There's one God, one Lord, one Savior. No, 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 no. We, we, don't, we don't compromise the word of God. The essentials of the Christian doctrine. Enjoy life, but don't exclude God. Lord, we thank you today for the power of your word and your goodness and kindness. Now today, as we have heard, may we ponder the questions. May we recognize that we are going somewhere. And whatever our quest is, may we never forget that it should always be in pursuit of Christ or with the Lord. We love you today and we thank you. Now we pray that you will keep us in your care as we leave, protect us, lead us, and guide us. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.